Hello, I'm Phil Banfield, and today I'm joined by Emma, your Deputy Chair of Council. Say hi, Emma. Hello. Um, look, ARM is only a few days away, so uh, we thought it would be a good opportunity to recap the last year with you. Um, it probably, you know, a lot has gone on this year, so we probably can't talk about uh, everything. So we'll focus on the big milestones. But Emma, can you can you believe it's only a year? It's gone by very quickly since you and our fellow chief officers been elected. Yes and no. There's, there's been a lot gone on in, in that year and it feels simultaneously a lot longer and also no time at all when you think about what we've done, uh, what we've achieved as, a, as an association. It's been very busy. This time last year, I, I still wasn't elected. I was elected in the first council meeting of, of July uh, 2022. And, and I was beginning to think uh, about standing at, at ARM and drawing up a kind of list of, of priorities, many of which we've we have done. Um, so, I mean, I think it's a it's it's worth thinking about a kind of short list of those those things. What are your thoughts, Phil? How does it feel to to sit here one year on uh, as chair of council? Well, I have to say, it all seems a bit uh, crazy and un unbelievable. But ARM was very exciting. I'm really looking forward to this ARM. The clear message from the RB and from the members has been that it really wanted the BMA to strengthen its trade union activities. Um, so we've set about uh, trying to do that and setting about quite major changes, but also to value the professional association side of the of the BMA. So yeah, I appreciate that we've had to prioritise some things, but it's been really good to input into major pieces of work about health inequalities uh, and of course we've got the ongoing work with the covid inquiry that uh, you will find out about as we go through the rest of of next year but of course there have also been financial challenges for the association that have colored our need to make priorities so i've been really impressed with the way that uh, council and the members have uh, risen to the challenge. One of the major things that I think I've been really impressed with is our shift over toward to an organisation that that welcomes challenge and uh, diverse opinions and that works through different opinions about things. And uh, you know, so that when challenges have uh, have come up, we work through them. We've tried to come to a consensus. And the BMA certainly feels as if it is in a different place than we were this time last year. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, if you think about where, where we were in June, July 2022, um, membership numbers were, were stagnant. Um, the health and social care service was, was really in a pretty bad state. And I mean, it's not, it's not necessarily got any better. Um, but members were really telling us that that they wanted to change from a position where we have um, reactive um, bargaining that, that doesn't necessarily have an underpinning coherent national strategy. Um, we wanted to see a move away from kind of long-standing and consistent widespread problems being being left alone at local level, and 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 to one where we we really deal with problems and and through that. Uh, become more powerful as an organisation. So, 
I think it's worth pointing out that that Phil, you've you've led the first chief officer team to create a, a council strategy with set objectives for the year, and and that was really driven by the representative body, an ARM. We've made our priorities to kind of develop the right structures to tackle workplace issues through collective bargaining, prioritising the key issues, pay, pensions, working conditions, alongside workforce. And that's that's really required quite a sharp operational uh, focus on, on changes uh, required. We've shifted to focusing on member density, a much greater focus on member, member density, which is the proportion of, of doctors or students that are in membership, a really powerful metric to use when we're thinking about what leverage we have. And we're trying to shift to a BMA that's in your workplace with active and visible reps that's driven by members. And and with the support and leadership of, of many passionate and driven colleagues over the last year, um, we've that's be- begun, to, uh, begun to bear some fruit. Um, we have delivered record-breaking ballot results for juniors in England and Scotland and consultants in England. And um, we've sponsored a new workplace leaders program aimed at educating and training a new generation of union reps in the BMA to lead and organize locally. We've had two cohorts of that already, two cohorts to come in the next few months, one in Leeds and one focusing on the trusts in London. We've provided training in campaign skills and one-to-one organizing for hundreds of doctors in England, Scotland and Wales. Um, mostly around ballot preparation. Um, we've created a hub to support hardworking reps and ensure our picket lines and materials are vibrant, they're full of colour, they're instantly recognisable. For the first time in BMA history, we've created a strike fund, um, which has used uh, some funding and originally allocated to my BMA salary as a founding donation um, to support members who would not otherwise have been able to take action. We've run a campaign for overlooked resident medical officers working in private practice under agencies like NES and and other exploitative organisations. We've planned trade union education sessions for ARM, running alongside the scientific sessions, uh, Victor Horsley sessions that we've we've had for a long time to really reflect the dual nature of our organisation. And through a whole variety of those things happening simultaneously, lots and lots of threads, We've recruited almost 25,000 members uh, and we represent now for the first time since 2017 over 50% of licensed doctors in the UK. We're paying attention to the diversity issues that we we have in the BMA and it's important to note that we're recruiting international colleagues at twice the rate that we are UK graduates. So the membership increase for for all members is um, 14.6% and for for international graduates, it's 33%. Um, you know, we've gained a third uh, of, of members. And the work is definitely not done. You know, on top of those achievements, we are thinking about how to embed the change in our union at, at a local level. So from ARM, we are consulting on plans to change divisions and create new, strong local structures off the back of Motion 261 at last year's ARM. So we've got lots of projects that we've kind of successfully implemented or that we're on the right track with, a long way ahead, but we've achieved a lot um, that we and you should be proud of. Phil, do you want to add anything to that? Yeah, I mean, you know, actually we are where I thought we would be a year on into this dispute you know we know that we've got an intransigent government 
And what we've managed to do is to organize and deliver multiple rounds of strike action safely. And that is not only just a, a credit to the junior doctors, but everyone else who has uh, helped provide cover and who has been positive and supportive. Um, you know, and that includes people, um, consultants who've been donating parts of their salary to the strike fund uh, uh, as well. So I think we are ideally placed uh, in terms of our industrial strategy for the pivotal time, which is between now and the general election. So I, I think that's quite an amazing thing for us to have achieved. But of course, what we are also uh, looking to do with the BMA, now I wish we could do everything you know, at once, but we, we can't. So we've taken a three-year kind of look at how the BMA should improve its culture and its inclusion and diversity. We are looking at the way that we can work more effectively across branches of practice uh, and uh, between nations. Uh, it goes without uh, saying that we are but I suppose we should, the most diverse chief officer team, and we have consciously trying to live what we believe in, which is uh, compassionate leadership and caring and valuing the contribution of everyone throughout the organisation, and, and that is members and staff uh, equally. Now, that takes us into the number of issues that we've inherited uh, within the BMA about sexism, discrimination, bullying, uh, not only within the BMA, but within the GMC and the workplace. And we intend to continue to to um, uh, invest heavily in working across all of those uh, areas. But in particular, you know, we have a commitment to implement the findings of the Romney report uh, it had stagnated uh, a little bit in, in recent times, but we have moved it forwards with the Culture Improvement and Implementation Group and a commitment to tackle racism, sexism, and discrimination in workplaces. You know, and and particularly with the sexism, you know, it, it, women are frequently held to different standards and expectations than the men that working alongside. Um, and it is part of our strategy to make sure that that Romney review and its 31 recommendations are implemented in full as voted for by council. Uh, so I feel, and uh, the feedback that we've had is that the uh, BMA is finding its voice, its members are finding its vo their voices, doctors are finding their uh, uh, voice. Emma, what are your thoughts on the cultural change that we've gone through in this last year yeah um well there's, there's certainly been a shift um in my understanding of, of of how the bma is functioning i think latifa and i have have demonstrated that women can do it at senior levels and um particularly younger women and junior doctors can do it we're not the first women to be a chief you know to be in the chief officer team it's the first time we've had two and it's the first time we've had elected junior doctors. So I think that's significant. Um, there's also a whole variety of other shifts beyond um, diversity. Uh, 
Things like the transparency of the association, that's a big cultural change. You can now see minutes from council on the website if you're a member. Um, you can, if you are on a regional council or devolved nation council or branch of practice, ask um, and, and be shown many of the council papers. We are trying to really improve uh, how much members see of our internal structures. And that's not just due to commitment uh, kind of some nebulous principle it's because it makes us more powerful because that that sharing of information and that understanding that shared understanding makes us stronger and that that transparency has has carried over into some of our other processes as well we have changed the resolution process and so now if there are uh, complaints suspensions and outcomes committees uh, affected find out about them and um, we can be more open when we need to be um, with a, a whole range of members about what's going on in the resolution process and where there's been serious conduct issues and um, so that's a, that's a kind of a cross BMA shift and that will take time that is a big cultural change but I think we can achieve it we've you know coming coming back to the diversity issues we finally got the international affiliate membership program up and running um, and our support for IMGs through the industrial action questions has been really crucial and we are attempting to pay strong attention to the needs the specific needs of our international colleagues that uh, the group of chief officers have been visiting all sorts of organizations that that represent the diversity of doctors so uh, Phil you've been to Mansag and um, that Latifa has, has been to visit Sudanese Junior Doctors Union and obviously very closely worked with, with them during the crisis in Sudan um, where the actions of, of BMA staff members and SJDU saved lives. Um, I've been to British Somali Medical Association. So we're, we're trying to reach out to those groups that we haven't talked to before as well as the ones where we have more established relationships like BIDA and, and BAPIO. Uh, it's probably worth saying that I'm the first out chief officer and um, I certainly won't be the first chief officer who was LGBT um, but there is a shift in, in medicine where for the first time somebody can be open about who they are and it's also worth saying that, that the BMA views and, and discussions are moving on you know it is really not that long ago in the last couple of years where we have had arguments about conversion therapy and the rights of trans people to live as who they are and there remain some concerns but um predominantly the feeling is that the bma has shifted the bma has shifted to be supportive across the equality groups and that's a really important cultural change that i i hope we can continue and, and i hope is widely felt well, thanks for that, uh, Emma. It's really important that we can come to work and be the best version of uh, who we are. And and you know, I've one 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 of my reflections over this uh, year is just how supportive everyone has been in getting the best out of uh, each of us because we are a, a diverse uh, group of. Uh, chief officers and, and staff, and it's been an absolute privilege to be able to work in that kind of environment where uh, actually we value and care about each other and the work that we're doing. 
Now, Emma, you mentioned earlier our collective action is starting to bear fruit. Can you give us an update on IA, please? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, our strategy is is working not as quickly as we might like it to, but um, certainly delivering some changes. If you, if you look at internally, we're continuously increasing our membership density. We've got better trained and active reps. We've got much higher visibility in the workplace. Um, and, and we are beginning to see that the fruits of that, not just in the national disputes, but also in issues that are dealt with locally. So we have used effectively the junior doctors industrial action to make serious progress on the rate card Probably the biggest news for the rate card is the the fall of the uh, London cartel on on rates um, during the last round of industrial action, and we've we've used that to to push trusts to shift locally employed doctors onto the far more appropriate SAS contracts that they deserve, and um, because SAS doctors aren't striking, and therefore it is in the trust's interest to to shift people. Um, and then on top of that, obviously, we're seeing movement from governments both north and south of the of the Scottish border uh, on the actual issue of pay. So in in England for junior doctors, we're in our now fourth round of junior doctors strike action. Uh, from the thirteenth of July, there'll be a five day strike, the longest single walkout by doctors in in the NHS's history. And we have shifted the government all the way from absolutely no discussion. Um, there's nothing on offer at all to um, into negotiations, then to make an offer, which was supposedly a final offer of 5%. Um, and now it's an opening offer and, and possibly there'll be DDRB um, also. Consultants um, uh, continue to be able to negotiate. You know, they've had a, an absolutely resounding yes to industrial action in, the, in their ballot with a with a whopping turnout that will have a government shaking in their boots of, you know, 71%. And consultants will be taking action on the 20th and 21st of July, assuming the government doesn't solve the problems before then. So that's that's extremely significant for consultants in, in this country. In Scotland, um, they already had an offer that was, you know, at least relatively credible, and members demonstrated that, you know, they absolutely are not going to take another uh, another pay cut. And, and negotiations in Scotland continue as well with uh, industrial action plan for the 12th to the 14th of July. Uh, SAS doctors uh, across the UK are, are also making moves towards um, preparing for industrial action, following their... Uh, conference vote uh, to, to move towards industrial action in England and um, they are thinking about their leverage and their strategy for organizing in an area where they are far uh, uh, they are much more spread out um, and far less numerous than consultants and junior doctors in secondary care are and it requires quite a lot of thought about how to organize as well as activity GPs um, have had a long period of exercise about um, what kind of leverage that they can they can wield as a, as a mixture of contractors and non-contractors, sessionals, staff, um, and and come up with a whole range of different uh, types of action they can take in order to gain leverage. And now really comes the hard work of organising general practice. 
to take the action that would be required or to be to be ready to take the action that would be required to win a better contract that delivers um, the resourcing and the compassion uh, and workforce that general practice really needs. Um, there's there's movement in in Scotland and Wales on you know on the whole profession's pay, um, or at least at least the profession in secondary care and the secondary care forum in Wales is is negotiating for pay. Um, there's you know dreadfully little movement in Northern Ireland because of the lack of government there. I'm sure that we will see movement um, from BMA Northern Ireland um, over over time. I mean, our, our strike fund um, has has been in, incredibly successful. Um, you know, we've enabled something like 1,600 junior doctors to to take strike action who would not have been able to take strike action otherwise. So, facing financial difficulties. And really unable to miss work, that strike fund is entirely funded through voluntary donations at the moment, um, and that goes directly to members to enable them to take strike action. It strengthens us all when people donate to the strike fund. So it's been really wonderful and actually quite astonishing to see so many uh, consultants and, and GPs and, and other senior doctors and um, donate money to that. And I'm, I'm very grateful for it, and I would I would love to see see that more. Um, you know, it might be that in the future, that's not the model that the strike fund runs on. Um, but at the moment, those donations are are really crucial. Yeah, I've been uh, struck when I've visited the picket lines just by how passionate junior doctors still are about medicine and wanting to practice, but. I've also been struck by the huge number who've said either that they are going to Australia or they're following relatives that are already gone, and and that's really you know so disappointing to to see from these young you know talented uh, professionals and you know I, but it talking to them it really gives me hope because they are. Uh, such fantastic people um, and and uh, absolute privilege to be standing with them uh, on a picket line for the future of, of their future and the future of the NHS. Now, I, we're, we're running slightly um, uh, out of time, um, so there's a few other things to, uh, to highlight. Um, you know, we are making important contributions to the COVID inquiry to make sure that the voices of the medical profession uh, are heard uh, and, and most importantly that doctors who lost their lives are never forgotten that's going to take up um, some time but we are absolutely committed to making sure that we do our best for our colleagues and our families uh, in the COVID inquiry now after years of campaigning uh, the tax-free annual allowance for pensions will increase from 40000 to 60000 and the lifetime allowance, of course, has been scrapped completely. And that was an enormous uh, effort from uh, Vish and Tony Goldstone and the pensions team. So uh, a, a great um, uh, victory for the BMA there. In legal terms, 
we have won the best or highest award in a whistleblowing case. Uh, Dr. Rosalind Ranson was awarded £3.2 million pounds for, um, uh, from the Isle of Man for her case. Uh, briefly speaking, uh, she highlighted concerns at the beginning of the COVID pandemic um, and uh, was overruled, uh, escalated and blew the whistle and had her career destroyed by not only the senior management team, but also the politicians on the Isle of Man. So we are working now currently with the Isle of Man to change their culture because unfortunately there is a culture of fear amongst their medical staff, which the BMA is going to help with. But I see that in other hospitals around the UK as well. And we need to move the BMA into that space to be in hospitals, raising concerns. No doctor should be lambasted for raising concerns about patient safety. We've talked already about our success in helping doctors uh, uh, be evacuated from Sudan. Um, but actually, uh, RB, you know, you you, you do ask us occasionally the impossible. Um, and uh, one of the things that everyone thought was going to be an impossibility was um, about the uh, Ouija people in uh, in China. Um, and uh, you tasked us with getting the Chinese Medical Association to acknowledge the concerns set out in the report by the UN High Commissioner for Human Rights and comply with the 2020 WMA, so the World Medical Association Resolution on Human Rights Violations Against the Ouija People in China. So, you know, thanks to the diplomacy from uh, Martin McKee, the international and the ethics team, um, an enormous amount of, of work and diplomacy uh, went on in Nairobi, and uh, that is an absolutely fantastic uh, achievement. So as you can see, um, there's a uh, reason to celebrate the last year. There is still so much more to do. Um, Emmo, how would you summarise this last year? And what's your personal highlight? I think the summary has to be a massive growth in our membership numbers, much better active local organisation, much better representation at work, massive improvements in our ability to fully represent the diversity of our profession and a personal highlight the shift from being seen as you know militant to being seen as organized and powerful i think that gives us the potential to really transform our profession the services that we work in, NHS and non-NHS services, and improve both our own lives and the lives of the patients that we serve. Phil, do you want to add anything about uh, your personal highlights? There's no doubt that doctors have finally found their voice and you know, I look forward to that being amplified as we go across our term in office. Um, personal highlight has been the response to us and the appreciation that the chief officer team is not here 
for itself, that it's here for the membership and that we genuinely are trying to do what the membership has asked us to do. And you know, we've been open and transparent about that. Um, and it feels that the BMA is in a better place and it feels as if it's really positive going into the next year. And, um, you know, thank you to everyone who has just put so much effort and commitment into this year. We are always happy to speak to you about anything in this uh, podcast episode or any other issues. And I look forward to seeing you all in Liverpool. And please, please, please come up and say uh, hello. We are your chief officer team. We are part of you. All right. So see you in Liverpool.